You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 82 called Techie Notes with Debbie Tannenbaum. In this episode, we'll be sitting down with Denny Tannenbaum to talk about transformational learning in the classroom and the role that EdTech plays to support it. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. So we're back for episode 82, and we have a guest here, Debbie Tannenbaum. And this is a person that I'm very excited to have on the podcast because I've been following her work for a long time. And we, we have overcrossed circles many, many times at the NJECC conference. Uh, she's also a Teach Better ambassador. She's a tech coach, and she's absolutely amazing. Debbie, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm super excited to have you here. Uh, let's just start a little bit with your educational journey. We love talking educational journeys because we find that there's a lot of interesting things that come of that. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in education and where you're at now. Sure. Well, it's funny because some people say they took the untraditional route. I took the traditional route. I've been wanting to be a teacher since I was about eight years old and I made my dolls play with the Raggedy Ann chalkboard. But it's always been something I've loved to do. I've always loved working with kids. Originally, I wanted to be an elementary school French teacher. That didn't end up happening. In my first year teaching, I discovered Scholastic and how it helped my kids learn and became more and more interested in how technology could help students learn and decided to get my master's in it. And it's just so funny because I got my master's, what, almost 19 years ago now? That makes me feel really old. Um, (laughs) But it's changed so much since then. But I've always been interested in learning new things. And I worked as a technology teacher at one point. I've taught fourth grade, fifth grade. I've gone kind of the gamut. I was a tech teacher for a while. Um, And about four years ago, I discovered Twitter. And I think it changed my life. And discovering Twitter, I found things that I had never seen before and decided to become, apply to be a tech coach. And this is now my third year in that position. So I'm super excited about doing that. And about two years ago, I decided to start sharing my voice blogging. And now I am an upcoming author. So it's amazing how things can change in a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see your book coming out in the early spring. And I will tell you, I was I was going over your website earlier today with Nick. And at first, I didn't notice it because it went through such a transformative process. It looks totally different. And it looks awesome. By the way, I gotta I gotta say that. So everybody should go over and check out tannenbaumtech.com. I will make sure that that link is in the show notes. Uh, Go check it out. All her blogs are there. Um, Her speaking engagements are there. Any podcast appearances and also how to get in contact with her uh, whenever you may need to reach out to a tech coach and ask a question. Thank you for that. I just redid it this weekend. I've been trying to kind of focus the message of my website. So it kind of keeps needing to grow up a little bit. Absolutely. 
So I got to know, I'm looking at your website as well as, as we're talking and interviewing you. There's tons of stuff here. It seems like your main thing, though, is this thing, this invention, let's say, called Techie Notes. Do you maybe want to give like an overview description for people like me that are new to this and just hearing about it? I think I get the gist looking at what's um, what's on here, but uh, what's the rundown of, of Techie Notes? Sure. So about... Four, no, three or four years ago, I was I was a new tech coach and I was working with kindergartners and I felt like I was playing whack-a-mole all the time. I'd help one kid, another kid would pop up, I'd help another kid and, you know, it would be like constant. And I was listening to the 10-Minute Teacher podcast and they were doing an interview and the person who was being interviewed, Pana, was talking about how when she had tried to get her kindergartners to use iPads, that she was realizing a lot of those same things. And that she had realized that as she started to teach her kids icons and really build their literacy and icons, that she was no longer playing that whack-a-mole game anymore. Instead, just like you have to build literacy when you're teaching kids how to read, it's very similar with the technology. And so I started teaching my students icons and I started just with kindergarten and I would have, I put the icons on the board and we talk about what it was like and they called Chrome the Google circle and that was fine. But as I started watching what they were doing and creating morning messages with all those things, I started to see the power of it. So I was like, well, maybe this makes a word wall. I actually have a word wall in my office right now full of icons. And when I started putting them up, my fifth and sixth graders were like, what are those? And they were curious about it too. And when I add an icon, they get interested in it too. And I just really felt found that building that literacy of that of icons really helped empower and give my students agency. And we expect our kids a lot of times to just be digital natives. And there's they are in a lot of ways, but we also need to give them visual cues. We don't know what they're going to be doing in 10 or 15 years, but we do know that some of those icons are evergreen and they're going to last. So when they see a camera, they know what that means. When they see the arrow with the line under it, they know it means download. And so it's really helped my students. And this past year, I even added some signs with it. So like my students know that when I hold up seven fingers, that's the username. When I do this, this is their password because it's locked and really trying to build ways of making connections in new ways has been really a great thing for, for me and working with them. I really believe that we, even our youngest learners are capable of creating and, you know, being really involved. They're not just consumers. And so I've really been pushing that with the kids that I work with in my elementary school setting. Yeah. I, I think that you mentioned a lot of things there. The highlights for me are the knowing that your students are versed well in certain technologies, but not all technologies. And that's a big misconception that is out there across the board. But the other thing I really like is the student agency piece. And Nick and I are very, very uh, passionate about that, getting students to take a hold of their own learning and maybe even become content creators themselves. Uh, and it kind of goes hand in hand with Nick and I talk about this, but I really hate 21st century skills because we've been in the 21st century for a long time. And we talked about it before we got into the 21st century. So uh, I think down in Virginia, because my, my cousin does teach down there, I think they call it like the portrait of a graduate or something like that, which might be even a more horrific name than 21st century skills, but I'm not holding that against you, but it does That's fall. That's my county. I just it, work for them. I don't make those decisions. It does fall. <laughs> the skill set does fall within that. So what are some of the, the skills that you think students learn, especially in the digital world with with this new form of communication that you're kind of honing in on? Well, I just think it's really important. It helps 
I think when you have those prerequisite skills, it really helps with their communication. It helps if we're doing a skill where they have to have some sort of collaboration, but it's really building those critical thinking skills and that problem solving. Our students need to be able to troubleshoot through things and solve problems. I think that a lot of times we're too eager to solve things and make things easy for our students. And we really want to, we don't want to rescue them. We really want to promote that idea that we're going to give them the scaffolds that they need to reach the levels they can, and not that you know all the answers, because we should really be facilitators of learning. And so I think by doing those things and building those processes, it really helps them do that. Plus, as I do a lot of the things I do with the icon literacy, like now I have like posters where I have the things listed almost like an algorithm. And so I'm building some of that computational thinking in there, you know, as a side effect as well. I feel like that's been really important. I want to make sure that they're using the technology in a meaningful way. And we're not just using tech for the sake of tech, but we're using tech because it lets us do something we couldn't do without it. I like, I also like how you brought up the fact that, you know, students, they are not the, the tech natives that a lot of the times they are talked about as being. And, um, you know, maybe that maybe they are with social media, they can get on Instagram and TikTok and really navigate the heck out of it. But if you say open up a Chrome browser, that may not be as meaningful. That's a really simple example. I would hope a lot of kids can, but maybe not. So that's, that's kind of what struck me with your techie notes. You know, from my perspective, besides the icon literacy, which is a cool term all by itself that you're using, I love that. But besides, that from a teacher side to me this just looks like it's gonna put out a lot of little fires that take up a bunch of time on my end and sort of t- and bog down the whole experience whereas if I put a shout my directions in this techie note style I don't have to worry about if the kid knows what a Chrome browser is and in fact the techie note seems like it sort of teaches them that uh, so that I don't have to explain that to a bunch of people they can just look at the icon go there because it's essentially telling them telling them what to click without having to know uh, the lingo, essentially. Is that a part of this? It's part of it. I mean, I've also experimented a lot with the idea of using video to build that agency as well, connecting it with that. I just think that uh, a couple of years ago, I went to a conference in DC um, done by Project Zero, and Ron Richard in this conference talked about the language of initiative. Are we giving kids messages that we believe they can do things, or are we, are we rescuing them? And I just think that it's so important that the language that we use conveys the message, a message, and we want to make sure that our students know that we believe that they have the answers and not that we need to rescue them. So if a kid has those icons where they can see them at their seat and they ask me a question, well, instead of me saying, you remember I said these directions, I can point to that icon and I'll be like, well, right now, what step are you on? Well, all my kids know their numbers, you know, and then we can go, okay, I, what's next? And then they're providing that versus me just doing it for them. I, I love that. It's kind of like my role of three before me. Uh, <laughs> so ask three other people, go find three different resources before you come ask me. It's one Exactly. So we're not just holding their hand as they go through learning, but we're allowing them to know that they have a safety net underneath and that we will support them, but they have to give it an honest effort first. And speaking of this, I think there's room for techie notes with 
educators as well. Have you ever tried using this for PD or anything along those lines to help teachers get to know technology as well? Well, when I'm working with teachers and doing PD, I definitely do spend time making sure I include the icons. I don't explicitly necessarily teach it that way with adults, but I make sure that there's lots of picture supports when I'm working with adults. I find that I learn better when I have a picture support with it. And so when I do any of my professional development opportunities, they're going to be very heavy with that. Now, when I do stuff like when some of my workshops I do when I'm talking about creating with littles, I actually do spend more time explicitly talking about that. Like, for example, I'm doing one with Wixie on when this week and Wixie has all of their icons in their library. Wixie's a kid friendly creation tool. Well, that makes it really great because sometimes half the effort is finding that image that you can use that fits in what, what, with what you have. Well, if it's part of their image library, that makes it super easy to, to take and use. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, between the student role and getting them up to speed and the teacher role and getting them up to speed, I'm a visual learner as well. And I almost see a little gamification with this as well, because when I look at it, it's almost like I'm solving the the uh, sentence puzzle. And that for me is fun in a weird way. That is really fun for me. So I could see it working there. Are there any specific projects or tasks that you're very proud of that students or that you got good results using Techie Notes? I just think in general, it's been working really well. I mean, I always joke that in January is my favorite time of the year. Now, obviously, this year is a different year. In January, my kindergartners go from just learning how to do basic things on the computer to becoming creators. And so when they first learn how to get into the, that program I was talking about, Wixie, and they learn how to add pictures in and they learn how to fill and they learn how to add text, all of those skills, building them together and then knowing that they'll have those skills when we get into more content heavy stuff in the future. Um, that's I love doing that. I love doing things with my students where we will explore a museum and they'll get to do something and show their understanding of that using um, any of the programs we use. Um, I'm just amazed by the ways that my, the students at my school um, have really risen to the challenge and they're creating really great content and you think that elementary school kids can't do it. But, you know, with tools like Adobe Spark, it's amazing what kids can create. Um, my sixth graders created movie trailers and they look professional and it's just, you know, they're trying to get somebody to go see their museum exhibit and yet you watch it and you're like, oh, I want to go. This is really drawing me in. And they're just in sixth grade. So, I mean, it's really amazing the stuff they can do. Yeah, we I mean, we're huge fans of, of students here being content creators. So I, I love that you brought that up. And I, I think we should also mention that besides going to you know your website, Tenenbaum Tech, you've, you've got a book coming out, too. Can you give can you let people know what they, they would find if this sounds like something they're interested in? How, how does the book support that? And what's it all about? Sure. Um, so transform is actually an acronym. It starts by talking in the first part about me going away from turning away from closed doors in the early part of my teaching career. That first part is almost like a little bit of a history book where I talk about how I found technology. Um, and then it talks about some of the tools that I use. Um, I call them transform tech tools that really I feel like give kids transformative experiences. And then I after that, I kind of go into ways that I feel that are really important. I really believe it's important for kids to create. I talk about some of the ways that I create. I'm a big thinking routines person with Project Zero. I talk about, in the second part, building that agency and really making sure that students have a voice in their work. And then I kind of take a, a I dig into the teacher part. Are teachers seeking connections beyond their school? Are they building a PLN? 
It was so essential for me. It changed my life. And then the last part really kind of takes an active part, talking about, you know, offering your voice. I, I've only been blogging for a little over two years. I didn't think I, anybody cared what I had to say, but they do. We all have a story to tell. And then really just reaching behind your, beyond your expectations. And then it kind of ends talking about all the opportunities. Yes, there's been challenges during COVID, but think about how the world of PD has totally changed for those of us who are really passionate about it in this last year. I mean, I have participated in more conferences than I have in my entire life. I have four kids. I couldn't afford to go to all these conferences in person. But last week alone, I was at three conferences. I, so, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like I was in New Jersey and then I was in Maryland and then I was in Virginia. It's, it's amazing, but we've learned a lot of lessons that we don't always necessarily have to go somewhere to learn. Sure, it's more fun, but there's a lot of opportunities now to educate us and educate our students that didn't exist even five years ago. Yeah, I think that one of the blessings of COVID, if we could call it, a you know, this situation, this rough situation is that we are learning. It's forcing teachers to learn different styles and, and put themselves out there a little bit more. I know that before this, teachers were very uncomfortable with technology. They did not like this whole streaming thing, but guess what? This kind of gave them the kick in the rear end to get moving. And now there's so many great things coming from this. I'm excited what the uh, in-person professional developments and conferences are going to look like when this is all done. And I really like the fact that you brought up the PLN. And I will tell you, we probably hit the Twitter, Twitter verse, Twitter verse, whatever it's called, uh, roughly at the same time. And it's been it's it's not just very informative. It's inspiring to see some of the stuff that people are coming up with. So with that, um, I would love for you to share your Twitter, Twitter handle and any other types of resources that you may have where people can reach you. Absolutely. I am on quite a few different social media um, platforms, but Twitter is definitely the one that I am most um, active on um, at Tannenbaum Tech. I'm also on, I also am on Instagram um, but I don't spend as much time there in LinkedIn. Um, and then my website is Tannenbaum Tech. That's the best way to find information out about me. Um, and I've been putting a lot of effort and work into that. And that's where information about the book coming up will be. It's also where if you want to learn more about the things that I've been um, sharing, I have information about the things that I've been you know, speaking about at conferences and things like that. You can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTeched. So I think we'll we'll wrap up the episode with a segment that we haven't done in a while. It's called the Got Teched Hot Seat. It's one of my favorite things to do, uh, sort of like a rapid fire interview part of the show. The way it works is Geis is going to ask a series of questions and uh, Debbie, you're going to answer those questions. Uh, Debbie has not seen these questions before. So like I said, these will be sort of on the spot. The first thing that pops into her head uh, after this series of rapid fire questions, I will just sort of be listening and watching along with our listeners. And, but I get to ask some follow-ups about certain things that catch my eye. So I, th I think with that, Debbie, do you understand uh, sort of the rules of the Got Tech Hot Seat? I think okay. I'm ready. All right. And guys, you're set with your questions. Yeah, it's 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 about as quick as I can go. You, you notice I don't talk very fast. So uh, <laughs> you will have a little extra time built in there as a buffer. But 
All right, let's get this thing going. Debbie, what are three ed tech tools that you can't live without? Twitter, Google Slides, and Google Sites right now, because that's where my website is. There you go. And like I said, the website looks good. Uh, what is the best practice or teaching skill that you use in your classroom? Um, well, I don't have my own classroom, but when I'm working with teachers and I'm working in professional development, I really love using the thinking routines from Project Zero. That's one that I'm going to have to check out there. What is the best kept secret in education? The most recent best kept secret in education is Clubhouse. All right. Uh, what is an educator or a member of the educational community that you see as an edu mentor? So someone that contributes a lot to social media. Well, right now I would have to shout out Darren Pepper. What is an educational resource that teachers should be aware of? I think that teachers should be aware of the Teach Better website if they're not already aware of it. Uh, is there anything else that you wish to promote at this time? No, I just definitely, I love being in touch with other educators. I love learning with other educators. So feel free to connect with me on social media. And if you decide to buy my book, that would be awesome. But I really want to just connect with educators. It's, it's just about spreading ideas and learning together. Awesome. So there you go, Nick. I think she did an amazing job. Nick, what do you got for us? So, I mean, we could do a whole show just on on those responses themselves because there's a ton of stuff in there. Two things that sort of caught my eye. Um, one of them was you listed Google Slides as one of your sort of go-to teaching tools that you can't live without. Um, I've in the past listed Google Slides as my number one thing that I could not live without because of its versatility. Could you talk a little bit more about that and some of the different things you've used it for, especially that teachers may not necessarily think of, because I know a lot of people who are not in this world, it's still just a presentation tool to them. It's so much more. It's actually, I think, my favorite tool of all. I use Google Slides. If I can't use Google Slides for it, I don't do it half the time. I even make my graphics in Google Slides. Um, but there's so many amazing things you can do with it. If you've never heard of Teresa Wills, who's a George Mason, she does a lot with interactive slides where you put like sticky notes and manipulatives on the sides. Um, I like to use that a lot. I love having kids take collaborative notes and working inside of a document where every kid has a slide so that they can see each other's thinking and see each other's work. Um, the idea that you can use it for hyperdocs or choice boards because of the linking features, all of those things just make it so great. And you can even add, embed videos directly into it. Um, I just love the way you can use slides and you can kind of create whatever you want. At one point I had my sixth graders um, creating apps from it using um, something that Micah Shippey shared on, on Twitter. Um, I've had my fourth graders make interactive stories where they're linking things. It's just amazing what you can do with it now. And even our youngest kids at our school are using Google Slides this year. Yes, they're using it with Pear Deck, but they're using it besides that too. Also, we we have frequently mentioned using it as like a, a basically an animation creator where each slide yeah, kind of differs, yep, differs slightly and you play through them. And for me, I'm making my worksheets there where I change the slide size to eight and a half Absolutely. by 11. And now I don't even need Google Docs. It doesn't have all the formatting that like a Word document would, you know, have if you're doing a paper, but we're not, I need it as a worksheet. So I find it works better for those. And, and the list goes on. So I love that you shared some of those things. And then the second thing that you said that caught my eye, I, I, I'm not sure if I got the title right, but I believe you called it thinking routines, this, a practice or teaching skill that you use in your classroom. Was that what it was called? A thinking Yeah, routine? it's from Project Zero. And it's actually okay. one of the things that I, I present a lot about at conferences. 
Um, it, Project Zero has these things called thinking routines, and they're basically routines that help scaffold thinking for students. And so when I first started learning about them, I just thought they were graphic organizers, but they're much more powerful than that. They really help students. You, you find what skill you want your students to do, and then you match that thinking routine to it, and it scaffolds your students through. And so a lot of times we'll ask a kid a question, and they'll be like, I don't know. Well, by taking them through deliberate steps, thinking routines really help them do that. And a lot of the thinking routines also can kind of get them to think beyond themselves. There's one thinking routine called color symbol image where they have to pick a color that represents something, a symbol, and then an image. Well, they have to kind of think differently and then explain why they've picked those things. So it's something I'm really passionate about. I really believe that it helps hit that reflection piece in learning that we don't always in, get to include because we run out of time. Um, I feel like that reflect to learn is really important and thinking routines help us do that a lot. So there's a great website on Project Zero um, about thinking routines. It's a huge toolbox and it could take hours to go through, but it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Uh, one thing that I know, and you know, Nick said that was his last question, but to follow up on, I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to ask you to follow up on the uh, Teach Better Ambassador because you started to talk a little bit about that. So I definitely want to shed some light there because, uh, you know, Teach Better is a very positive outlet for a lot of teachers and they get a lot of good stuff from them. So go ahead and, you know, share a little wisdom, wisdom with the uh, Teach Better Ambassador program. Yeah, it's just funny because I was talking, I was writing this morning and I was writing about how Teach Better has really changed a lot of my life. Um, I started off using Teach Better just doing their Friday, Thursday night chats, but when they started doing the lives during all of this um, COVID stuff, I found this community that I felt like I was really missing. I couldn't go to conferences. I, you know, we were, I was working from home and here's this com really vibrant community of educators who just want to do better, you know, today than they did yesterday and better tomorrow than they did today. And, um, so when they opened the ambassador program, I applied. I didn't think I was going to get in, but I figured, why not? Um, and I, when I got in, I was delighted. And it's just been such an amazing network of educators to connect with. We're all, we all do very different things, but we all unite in the fact that we're passionate about education and we're there to support each other. And it's just been really wonderful. And then on top of that, in December, I, start, I joined the Teach Better Admin Mastermind, which I thought I couldn't join because I was a tech coach, but it turns out that was fine. And I've met some amazing people through that as well. I feel like it's funny. I was writing about this morning, the community I have in my PLN, I feel strangely close to, even though I've never met them, just because we all have bonded over all these shared experiences. And it's not like when sometimes you're in your building and you have this leeriness of being vulnerable. It's just it's just been a wonderful experience. I've learned so much from all of them and they help me to look at things from different ways because they're not just tech coaches I'm connecting with. I'm connecting with education thought leaders. All right. So I'm going to add a follow-up question and this might be the hardest one of them all. Uh -oh. but if, if you had to buy one shirt, would it be a teach better Jeff or teach better Ray? Team Ray, team question. Jeff. <laughs> I had to throw it out there. I, I think you I'm wearing my Shake Up Learning shirt today. <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. I figured I'd end with a tough one. There. Yeah, that there is a tough one. It's it's so hard to choose, but it really right. is. So, thank you for being on our show today. I mean, we had a lot of fun. I I'm looking forward to your book, and I look forward to learning more about Techie Notes uh, through your work. And I just want to say big thank you for being here. No, this was really great. Thank you guys for having me here. And this was a great conversation.
you uh, want to follow Debbie, make sure you go over to Twitter at Tannenbaum Tech. Go to her website at TannenbaumTech.com. Uh, if you want... If you like our conversation here today and, and the content that Nick and I have uh, been creating, please uh, hit the subscribe button on any of the major podcast players. Go check out our, our YouTube channel, which we constantly update, and go visit our website at www.gottech.com. Until next time, go out and check out some techie notes and go say hello to us and be a part of a PLN on Twitter or any other social network. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.